Hello and welcome to this week's segment of UW Secrets Revealed. Today we will be looking at the mysterious moving image archive here at UW. This little-known collection offers various films dating back to 1915. The selections are from home movies, industrial films, documentaries, and news footage available both physically and digitally. It is currently curated by Hannah Palin, who has been involved with the collection since its beginning days back in 2001. Today we are lucky to have two very special guests to speak with us about this collection. Unfortunately, Hannah Palin was unavailable today, but instead we have another special collections librarian from the UW who has worked closely with this collection for the last 10 years. Her name is Eleanor. Additionally, we have a first-year MLIS student here with us today to talk about her experiences using the Moving Image Archive and archives in general. Welcome, Eleanor and Emily. Thanks. Thanks. So, Eleanor and Emily, I brought you here today because I've learned that when students were asked if they would use a film archive in their research, half of the students noted that they would either be very unlikely or somewhat unlikely to use it. But when asked if this likeliness would increase if it was available online, 100% said yes. This leads us to conclude that students likely don't even know that the Moving Image Archive is available online. As a retired professor of the iSchool, I'm both surprised and not surprised because I don't believe that I ever discussed the unique resources, like the Moving Image Collection, with my students. But you would think as graduate students, they would want to use any sources available to them. So let's begin. Have you ever used an archive in your research? What's the benefit or value in using moving images as primary sources? I've used an archive, but I've never used a film archive, and I'm not quite sure that I would even know how to access it. Although, if I could access it online, I would definitely be more likely to use it. The Moving Image Archive is actually available online. This is an extremely common thought amongst those in your program. I can't believe most of us probably haven't even used a Moving Image Archive before in our research, despite having our bachelors. I think it would be beneficial to use films as resources, because we're used to using streaming services like Netflix. So this would be a form we're familiar with. That's a good point. I believe that it's also helpful in research because it allows you to place yourself in the moment and view something as it happened, instead of through a historian's perspective or interpretation. That's why these moving image archives are so important and useful. They can take you back and put you in the moment in time so that you can say what's going on for yourself. That is just one of the many values to the moving image archive. So what do you think are the obstacles that archivists face while digitizing and supposedly making their collections more accessible? Well, I guess I don't really understand why they can't. I mean, if they really want people to be using this stuff, they should just digitize it. If only it were that simple. Unfortunately, digitizing costs a lot of money that the Moving Image Archive here at UW really doesn't have and will only likely occur should we get some outstanding donation from a patron. Another issue that arises is with copyright. If we acquire a tape from, say, eBay, we can't really assume that whoever we bought it from had all of the rights to that film, and so publishing it online becomes problematic when we might not have all the rights to a certain film. Oh, I never thought of that. Since it's largely just Hannah Palin working in the Moving Image Archive, there's also the issue of time and workforce. 
Digitizing a film can take up to three hours after the whole process is done. So if we have 15,000 tapes, that's 45,000 hours. Our first priority is really to make sure the hard stock of film is preserved and in good shape before we even consider digitizing it. Once it's digitized, it can be up to 100 gigs of data just for one tape. As you can imagine, that means we need a lot of digital storage space. Oh wow, my phone is only 32 gigabytes. Exactly! So there is actually a lot of hard work and money and time that goes into just digitizing it, without even considering the process of making it available online, which, as you know, we don't really have a say in, and I want people to come to the physical archive. When we, when we put everything online, that allows for anyone to access it, and it could end up in some documentary without us even knowing it. So while we want and hope for open access, we also have to be wary of what we make available online and the quality in which it's presented. So Emily, how would you define the purpose of the UW Moving Image Collection? Well, I think the UW Moving Image Collection has at least two main purposes. From what I understand, most moving image archives help preserve and repair damaged films, videos, and interviews so that future generations can use them. I'd imagine that researchers would be the ones who are mainly interested in them, though. Interesting. I definitely agree with you there. But I think the public would be interested in using them, too, if the archive had something of their interest. I know the Texas Moving Image Archive draws in many community members because they recently implemented a program that encourages the public to bring in any Texas-related video, and they digitize them and add them to their collection for free. Eleanor, what sort of things have you done in your archive to make it more accessible for students and researchers to use? So, in addition to the physical archive here on campus, our Moving Image Collection is also available online through our library Special Collections website. On there, you can find most of the videos that we have in the physical archive. We are still in the process of weeding out what to digitize and preserve next, and that usually takes a while because we want to make sure that we are saving the most important videos. Why can't you digitize all the videos that you have? I believe that is what the Texas Moving Image Archive has done. Oh, as you already know, we would love to, but we just don't have enough funding to do that. Neither do we have the space to properly store all of these moving images. Our collection is relatively new, and we are still trying to work out the nuances. The reels have to be stored in a climate-controlled environment too, preferably at around 40 degrees Fahrenheit, and so far, we don't have that. That's so cool. I had no idea it had to be stored in a colder environment. I just thought we could visit the physical archive and ask a librarian to help play a video that we would want to see. <laughs> There's definitely more to it than that. In fact, every time we play a reel, we are damaging it because we are removing it from the cold state that it should be in so that it can be properly preserved. That is why we have turned to digitization, to make the moving images available online so that more people can easily access them. Oh, interesting. Hmm, so if digitization is the answer to increasing the archive's accessibility and usability, then why are so few students using it? I might be able to answer that. Well, personally, I wasn't aware that we even had a moving image collection. I generally use videos that I find on YouTube or documentaries on Netflix to supplement my research projects. Oh yes, I believe that's what most students are doing now. We definitely need to make people more aware of our online archive. It's just that we are still new and have been tackling some larger issues. Very interesting. Before we proceed any further, why don't we take a look at the UW's Moving Image Archive website together to see what's on there. Sure. 
let's take a break while we get our computer set up. Listeners, we will be right back. Welcome back to Secrets Revealed. So, ladies, because we know that the Moving Image Archive is available online, would you share with us your opinions or experiences with the collection website? Well, you know we are doing everything we can to make the whole collection accessible. Finding aids have been created which can help users find information they need, and there is even an advanced search allowing users to find exactly what they are looking. Well, I'm sitting here looking at the website at this moment, and it's not that easy to use. Oh? You see, I'm searching by key terms and can't seem to even access a video by using the advanced search mode. I keep getting newsletters and photos. Did you only choose the moving image collection? I didn't even realize that's an option. Also, I'm trying to sort by oldest clip, but no matter how it's sorted, the videos are in the same order. Hmm. Must be a glitch in the system. We may need to revise it a little. I agree, Eleanor. Well, we are reaching the end of our segment, and it may be time to wrap up this discussion with one final question. This is for you, Eleanor. How would you improve the Moving Image Collection website? It has come to my attention that the website does not seem to be as easy to navigate as the library would have liked. We may want to consider revising the website completely, maybe even making the Moving Image Collection its own site. We can even increase our conversations with the archive staff and really take into account their positions, as they have been working with the film much more thoroughly than the librarians. They will more than likely have the most knowledge on how to improve the services. That is excellent to hear. And Emily, what would inspire people to utilize this collection for research? Helena, Eleanor, if you don't mind me making a suggestion, students in the modern age need skeuomorphic design, so a YouTube format may be more desirable. Students are familiar with how YouTube works and can easily recognize how to navigate the website. I guarantee all students will be more likely to engage with the moving image collection. To those of you listening who may not know, skeuomorphism is the way in which new technologies are made to look like old technologies. It makes it easier for users to adopt the new interface as it mimics an old interface. Interesting point you make there. We will have to consider making those changes so that people can access the collection much more efficiently. And this wraps up our segment of UW's Secrets Revealed. Thank you, ladies. Until we meet again, curl up with an ISBN.